This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Paroqua, international recording star from Australia, renowned wisdom teacher, accomplished female shaman, master of multicultural music from jazz to Indian classic to a sound uniquely her own. Paraqua opens women to a part of themselves often long buried or maybe even never discovered. She is committed to helping women experience a true deep of love themselves. Paraqua, thank you for joining me today and welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. It's a great pleasure to meet such an inspiring man because your audience don't know we just chatted for five minutes and so I got to hear a little bit about the sincerity of your work. Well, thank you. Now, Paraqua, I'm not really sure what genre to place your music in, but it sounds like it would be considered spiritual music and music that is inspires love and peace and serenity. How would you describe it? I would say that, yes, it definitely has those qualities. I would say it's some of the most sensual feminine music that is currently made on the planet. Um, it definitely has this quality of awakening. It can be raw and wild and passionate. And at the same time, it can be enormously uh, still and vast and uh, opening. Um, I guess I have so many different genres in the music, which is why it's difficult to label as one particular style. It's more about the effect of the music and how many different circumstances that uh, people are using the music in their life. And women are using it to birth their babies too because there's a very deep um, cosmic quality to my voice. This Many call me the voice of Mother Earth because there's this deep resonance that starts to resonate through the body when women are birthing. There is um, music for making love, tantric music for couples. A lot of couples tell me they, they, they make their children to my music, which is very, very, like, that's one of the greatest compliments I think you can get. Like, we made our music to you, our baby to your music. Um, and then I have a whole other world of music, which is music that I create specifically for practice. So it's practice music. So it's music to take people into deep states of meditation. It's music to help them to feel the body, um, to let go of a lot of emotional trauma in the body. So I have many, many facets and reasons as to why the music's been made and how differently it can sound. It can sound like a total, you know, soul track. I have never met a soul so giving as you. You know, and this is a song I wrote from my husband. Or it could um, sound 
you know, one moment, very shamanic almost, um, very tribal or Indian classical. So there's many, many flavors in the music, but mostly it's about the effect it has on the body. It does something to people on a cellular level that wakes them up and they feel this sense of a lot of times they cry, a lot of time they have goosebumps, and a lot of time it's this sense of this enormous love flowing through the body that seems to rise up from the earth through the body. So rather than being genre-oriented with my music, I tend to really speak about what the music does for people. It's interesting that you mention that, and I didn't tell you this before we started. I'm a musician, but I don't really play live much anymore, but occasionally... Mm -hmm. Occasionally when I would play live, I would get like this electricity feeling, you know, it was like mm -hmm. this vibe. I don't, I can't even describe the feeling, but it was almost like I would become the music. It was like when the band yes. was tight, the, the energy of the crowd was there. It was just like this transformation that would happen. Do you experience that? Totally. You know, when I'm on stage or when I'm in compositional stage, like I could be just in my home studio, so it's not audience dependent, but it's about just totally, like totally surrendering to the music. And I find that... I've got this huge charge coming through my body when I'm when I'm singing. It's it's huge. It's like so big. And depending on what I'm singing, because some it can be very charged. Sometimes I get this experience of being like I feel like I'm literally standing in the blackness of the cosmos, and my audience feel like stars in the cosmos. It's very vast, very big. This is very much the practice meditation style music where I'm singing in such a way that it's something was beyond, it's music, but it's like music of the spheres because I can switch into this way of singing where I can split my voice two, three, sometimes four times. So there's like overtones on overtones. And uh, it's like you say, it's a sense of this enormous communion. And in that there's, I often don't remember what happens fully on stage. It's not like I can go back and analyze the performance. And often I'm charged after a performance for 24 hours. I can barely sleep for 24 hours after mm. I have come on stage. And I perform long concerts, like three hours, sometimes without a break. I'm glad you brought up about the overtones because mm -hmm. I believe that it the Tibetan monks can do like a chant where they have their voice and then they have like an yeah. overtone or something like that. Yes. And from what I read about you and what you just said, you can do multiple, like three or four tones. Yes. Yeah, how, absolutely. How do you do that? <laughs> good question. <laughs> it's a good question. I can't answer it with my mind, but I can say that it took a lot of years of integration of spiritual energy or the energy of being human and consciously navigating through all the lessons, through deep meditation practice. And, um, and also in my early days, it was singing a lot in ceremony because when I was singing in ceremony, I know maybe some of your audience may be familiar with the Anipi or the Sweat Lodge ceremony, the Native American ceremony, yeah? And uh, this ceremony is the reenactment of 
the cosmos of how we got here in a body, you know, and you build that mother lodge, you know, this little space of blackness and you bring hot stones in there and pour water on the stones. It gets ridiculously hot. Everybody starts praying. What well, big role for me was to find that healing voice whilst I was singing in these ceremonies. And, and this kicked in for me when I was about 24 and uh, I met my first husband uh, in Australia after a realisation that I had. Uh, and that was that I was not alone. And at this time I was very lonely, like a successful egoic young woman, you know, clawing her way to the top in the jazz industry in Sydney. I was this e egoic young woman just totally crying out for the truth because it was nothing nourishment, no, nothing nourishing on that pathway of, you know, like that vector of more and more success. And I had this very deep experience in that feeling of being totally lost and totally alone in this big city. And it was the spirit of... I would call, now I would call it the spirit of the Mother Earth. I, I didn't know how to call it then, but these feminine energies rose through my body when I was standing on the side of a mountain feeling quite suicidal at the time and ready to jump, you know, and these elemental forces came around and started to sing the wind, the waves, or the ocean. And as I mimicked these sounds, because it was as though they just drew me in, and as a musician, you know, you start to hear, wow, there's melodies here in nature, you know. And this drawing in took me very much inside as I followed the melodies and sang them with my voice. Hours passed and I came out of this state and I fell into a very deep connection as though I fell inside the earth consciousness. That's how it felt, you know, like. And this enormous love came, like this enormous love. Imagine I'm feeling almost a suicidal, but this enormous love came through my body. And it was like, you are not what you think you are, you know, and there was not exactly a voice speaking in words, but it was this flooding of energy. And I realized that she was this enormous vibration behind life itself as life itself, this incredibly vast powerful feminine consciousness and I I said to her wow if there's any way I can sing to transmit this energy because people need to understand that they are not alone it's just that our roots got cut from our ability to be able to feel the vibration coming up from the earth through nature you know Everybody knows they feel better when they go into nature, you know. That's a natural thing. Every human understands that. But to be able to deeply commune with it and allow it to restore a harmonic field, which is what the body should be in, but because of pain, because of trauma, because of just being human, and especially city life, we cut our roots of sensitivity, being able to literally feel this energy. Well, that got restored in me in that moment. But I had no idea, like none, as a young jazz singer, how to learn about this. And within two weeks, a man came to uh, Australia and he was a Native American medicine man. He was on tour there. 
we met, it's a long story, but I'll cut to the chase. We met, I sang with him on stage and he said, I've been waiting for you. The mother said she would send you to me and we have many roads to travel together, many people to meet. Are you ready? And I thought to myself, oh my God, this is so scary because it came with a hook. And the hook was, um, if you want to come and be with me, if you want to come and learn, he had this ancient quality of singing. This man was, I don't know, he felt like a very ancient human being. And uh, he said to me, if you want to come and learn with me, and you must, you will be one of my seven wives. And you will have my child. And I was just like, no way. Remember, I'm 23. <laughs> the emerging jazz singer at this stage. These experiences only happened on the mountain two weeks before. So I just can't believe my mind is completely being blown open. And my first reaction was total terror and fear to run, like never see this man again, you know. But within a week, I was calling him because... There was some magic here that I, I just couldn't deny. And uh, I ended up uh, resistantly. I thought, I'll go to him, but I'll never become his wife. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> but there was an enormous love between us. And uh, I thought, I'll keep control of the situation. So I'll just go there, be his student. The other women can be his wife, but I'll be his student, you know, and everything will be fine. But no, <laughs> I went to New Mexico, 2,000 meters in the, in the desert, high mountains. And within, I suppose, a few months, I, was, I did become his wife. And he did, um, he did become the father of my child. And we were together for about 11 years. So a lot of my early days of experiencing this, what you said about being on stage and this energy, like electricity rising through, a lot of that happened in ceremony for me in those early days. So I left the stage, I left my life, I, I left everything in order to pursue that kind of depth because I knew there was no other way for me, that singing for entertainment was not enough for me. I had already crossed that stage quite young, you know. When you were married to him, is that when you learned to become a shaman? <laughs> Well, I mean, in truth, I would say I never think of myself as a shaman at all. Um, of course, I acquired enormous depth of knowledge and I went through incredibly painful transformation because to be able to transmit the voice in a very healing vibration, you have to be that, right? So it means that I had to undo my ego. Imagine being one woman with seven, you know, amongst seven women with one man, how that undoes your ego. I mean, the level of jealousy transformation wow. we go through and everything. So I undid a lot of my past uh, pain, which I had acquired a lot of by early, early age. And uh, that was a very important part of the journey for me to be able to be totally receptive to nature. So I started to hear uh, chants. I would start to hear the elements a lot more. I would start to understand what to do uh, harmonically to change people's energies and things. And when I was about 24, uh, I'd been in New Mexico for a little while, I had this memory and in this memory, I remembered myself 
a long, long time ago, and I would say possibly Atlantic times or, or whatever, and I had this capacity to sing so high and pure that it would just shift people's consciousness like that, you know, and uh, that I worked a lot with crystals and uh, and the depth of my voice would go so low it could literally shake sickness out of people's body. And, and um in the beginning, I thought, well, okay, that, that's kind of like an entertaining vision, you know. <laughs> and uh, But then by the time I was about 26, I think, or 27, my voice went through the first splitting where I was standing on the side of a mountain, I was praying, and then at the end of every prayer, so at that time I was a pipe carrier, and so I prayed morning and night, sunrise, sunset for the people, and my voice started to split into two voices. And at first I just thought it was an illusion, you know, that I was hearing a second voice. But I went to my to my sister wives and I said, do you hear this? They said, yes, we hear it. It's incredible, you know. And that was the first kind of realization of it. Well, when I told my husband about it, he said, Barbara, I forbid you to use that voice. Mm. <laughs> and I was so pissed. I was just like, oh, my God, like amazing things are happening to me. And he forbids me to use it. You know, he said, you're not ready for that kind of power. And uh, and he said, if you if you use it, he said, you will need to go out on your own. So it was really with a big threat, you know, like basically training's over if you use this voice. Mm. <laughs> so, um I left it alone, you know, for, for some years and I was still very much using and developing the voice on many levels through ceremony, through composing a lot of music. And eventually I was kind of thrust out of the desert and back into Australia, into Europe, um, touring, you know, with a whole different genre of music than what I'd originally experienced in the jazz world, you know. So I'd become a composer of a new kind of music that had very much been given to me from the source, I would say, you know, very healing music, music that spoke about the awakening, about the consciousness of uh, Mother Earth and uh, restoring ourselves, you know. And uh, so, but this other level, I left it alone for something like 20 years. Imagine it was like 20 years. And then something extraordinary happened. I just started to touch on this uh, voice again. I was singing Gayatri Mantra and my voice started to split in the studio as I was singing Om. I was starting to two, three uh, Oms, you know, at the same time. And that was when I realized what we think of as Om now, the Vedas, the Vedic people, could not transmit that through sound. Om is not one voice, it's a multi-dimensional voice. In other words, there's overtones there spinning in the Om, right? Rather than just, oh, we hear one note there, right? But actually, if you think about our cosmos and our earth, we're spinning all the time in a spin. So what Om is supposed to be the sound of the universe, but it's not one tone, it is overtones, you know? And that's what first... Um, recognized in me as I started to wake up to the you know this oh, that's pretty cool 
<laughs> I can hear that. I can hear your voice, and then those. I don't know if it was, you were whistling. I don't think you were whistling, but I could hear your. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you could hear that kind of um, circular tone on top of that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was my first realization. And then the next thing that happened me, to me was quite. Um, incredible i was doing a lot and as i still do um, a lot of meditation practice because i've been creating uh, practices of all these years from that age from about 27 to now i'm 52 now i've been creating practices for women um some for men too but mostly women to wake up the connection to the body to experience the full opening of the body the heart the orgasmic body cosmic all of that and um, something extraordinary happened to me. And it was kind of like my next key, you know. I had a friend who was the video maker of all my music clips. Some You can see some of them on YouTube. Um, a crazy Russian guy, I met him in India. And he was going through some really, really difficult times. He'd made several of my clips. And uh, he came to Russia, and I was in Russia at the time, and he wasn't himself at all. He was uh, behaving very badly, and uh, he said, I'm trying to heal myself. But he had taken a lot of psychotropic drugs over his life, you know, exploring consciousness. He was like a real exploratorian. And I said to him, you know, mate, you've got to be so careful with this. But it was too late for that. And... Uh, he said, I don't know what to do. I'm just not myself, but I'm working, you know. And I said to him, okay, you can come and work with us again because we'd had a break from each other. And um, we were just about to embark on a tour and he was going to be doing all the videography work. And he wrote to me and said, oh, I'm going to buy all new equipment. I'm very excited about my new life with you. He had a wife, he had a child. And I didn't answer his message because I was in a, in a spa at the time. And then I wrote him back and I said, okay, you're, this is great. You know, I wrote him back maybe an hour later. But in that gap of one hour, he had jumped off a building and committed suicide. And in his mind, I spoke to his wife regularly after that. And she said, in his mind, he felt uh, in his body, he had a demon. And he felt like he was very dangerous to his family, to himself. And so he was shifting states of consciousness to where he was himself and he was like looking into his future. And then he was shifting consciousness to where he didn't feel he belonged to himself at all. And in that moment, in just that moment, he convinced himself that he was a danger to life, I think. And he jumped off a building. And I knew that he had something in him. My first husband was an exorcist, the, the medicine man. So I had been in many ceremonies uh, where I had together with him because he was the exorcist, I was the exorcist assistant. So I wouldn't call myself an exorcist by any means, but at that time. and uh, But I very much stood in that role where uh, I was in ceremonies watching people have a demon taken out of them and then them being returned to themselves and the process they went to after to reclaim their life, you know. Um, so I, I knew a lot about this, this particular realm, you know. 
And so I knew what this man was up against. And when I looked into him, when he had um, just after, literally after he had died within maybe 20, 30 minutes, I went into meditation and I saw that his whole soul was just entwined with this demonic energy. So he was desperately trying to get free, but he couldn't. And um, in this meditation state, there was only one thing that I could do. I opened up this voice and with these high shaking overtones, I managed to help him to free his soul from this entrapment that he had lived through with this demonic energy. And then this, this experience happened and, and suddenly I felt him free, you know, and this enormous peace came over. His wife rang and said, what just happened? I felt something change. and. And it was like the switching on the next level of the voice's capacity to work in other realms and with the soul feel, with somebody's soul. Um, and that was when the next level of that voice woke up in me. That was about maybe five, six years ago now. And uh, so then I started to compose um, compositions that touched different aspects of people's bodies. We have these centers, we all know, you know, our, our chakras are the spirals in our bodies. We have our heart center, which is very, very magnetic. When it's closed, it's very small. When it's open, the magnetic field is very tangible and very beautiful and golden and bright, you know. And uh, so I started to compose using these super overtones, compositions to open up, um, different centers through particular practice. So I merged giving uh, the listener a practice to open the heart. And at the same time, they're listening to these soundtracks. And I just found that people got incredible results with this. It suddenly became tangible for them. You hear love yourself, all is love, all these concepts. But when you experience it in your own body, your own frequency is this enormous love, something switches on inside the body and you understand, wow, this planet, this universe is filled, is, is the very fabric of the cosmos is love. The very unseeable vibration is love. And all I need to do is be able to open up my nature, my body, which is built very brilliantly to be able to experience this flow of love. And um, so, for example, I made one soundtrack for the heart. And we, we, we because we're in Russia uh, right now, we were working with Russian scientists because they have fantastic equipment for measuring the heart systems. And uh, so we connected with one of the scientists here, and he'd been working with the heart mapping for about 20 years in Russia. He used the soundtrack on um, various different tests. People who never had anything to do with spirituality or anything. He would put the soundtrack on them for 15 minutes, put them in headphones, and he started to map vibrations in the heart and the blood starting to clean itself and do all these kinds of things as they were listening to the voice. He'd never seen it before in his own research. Um, and, in fact, I'm just about to go and give a meditation concert uh, in Siberia and uh, right next to the major city in uh, Siberia, there's, imagine this, there's a scientific city 
So the city is only scientists. And I've been there since the Soviet Union, you know. And uh, so I'll have a bunch of scientists come to this. It'll be like a thousand people in the meditation concert. And they'll be mapping people's um, different, uh, like mapping brain, mapping heart, etc., before and after uh, the meditation concert. So, you know, this is this is kind of how the voice just keeps opening and opening. I don't know if I got to the bottom of it yet because, you know, when we, I think it's important for, for us to recognize when we have a realization or a taste of the infinite, it never stops getting deeper, you know? <laughs> as long as we're in a body, it just never, we never stop learning and we never stop experiencing more and more truth or more and more love. And I can say that's definitely true for me because my whole life has been devoted to not only um, opening my own consciousness, but helping other people to open up theirs to that, to that realization. You've had a lot of events in your life. Like at 11, you had a major surgery and you left home at 15. And then, as you said, you married this man with sister wives. Mm-hmm. How have these experiences influenced your music? Oh, hugely, 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 because uh, the surgery that I had was a genetic hip condition. So something that ran through the line of my family. And some people got it bad. I got it really bad. My brother got it bad, but they managed to put him in calipers when he was a baby and straighten his legs up because it creates this rotation. So you kind of walk knock-kneed, pigeon-toed, and the legs kind of grow in a slightly distorted position, you know. Um, so they caught his condition early, but they missed mine because around that time where they should have been looking at me, my father mysteriously disappeared uh, he was on a fishing trip into the Southern Oceans, which are very rough oceans, and his boat just disappeared. So he was never found. So my mother at this time was in enormous grief. So somehow she missed, you know, the important window to look, can we, has she got the condition? Can we fix the condition? And so the doctor said to me, you have to wait until the next stage of growth, which is when you're 10, 11 years old. So I'm waiting, waiting, and it's a terrible surgery what they they used to do. They used to disconnect the hips out of the joints, turn the hips around, stick them back in the sockets, put bolts through the hips and the femur, and regrow them over six months on each leg, you know, horrible surgery. And um, they said to me just before my 11th birthday, hey, we've got a new experiment. You want to try it? it's only three months, you know, and we'll just cut the legs, you know, of the femurs um, above the knee on each leg and just turn them around and just pin them back together and regrow them, you know. And, uh, of course, it was a dismal failure because you can't just cut the body off and turn it around and expect it to refix itself, you know. And uh, But what I didn't foresee coming was... I think by the time I was 18, I was in a state of chronic sciatica. So I was limping like an 80-year-old woman. It was extremely painful. Now, this, this kind of draining kind of pain for me um, really led me very young searching for answers. And so when I was 15, I started meditating and looking for answers in the meditation world. 
by the time I was 18 was when I had this realization about wanting to sing, you know, or the, the reawakening of it, because my mother tried to stop me all my childhood. So these kind of things had a huge influence on me because it's not just like they influenced the music. What they did was they influenced my quest for life. I recognize that I had an amazing gift. And at 11 years of age, after I came out of that surgery, I was with a lot of kids in a disabled centre who would never walk again. That was their destiny. Their parents didn't know what to do with them. They put them in these centres and they left them for nurses to take care. I knew I was coming out and I knew without a doubt I would walk again. So that kind of built in me this enormous strength, determination, but more than anything, this sense of gratitude for life because I had this incredible compassion. It just opened up incredible compassion. And when I went back to my normal school, I left the school to do the surgery as a child, but I came back an adult, you know, with enormous compassion. And I saw how incredibly cruel children were, you know, and how spoiled. And I, I just didn't fit in the world for a long, long, long time. I did not fit in the world because, I had seen beyond the veil of selfishness, you know, and I, I guess that's what rooted me on the path to be looking for much, much deeper answers as to how to be here. And then just on a very practical level, how to actually get my body around without being in enormous pain because I wanted to be a great artist, you know, I wanted to be a great performer, a great singer. So... I was looking for those kind of answers that maybe you wouldn't look for until your 30s or 40s or, you know, a little bit later. But this, this kind of very traumatic uh, life initiations I went through, some of it was rape. There's a lot to my story. There's hundreds of chapters to it. But um, they made me search and search for deeper answers. And I, I guess that's what gave me the trust and the surrender to be able to do something that every single person in my life at the time said, don't go and be with the medicine man. Don't go to America. You are going to lose everything you've, you've worked for. You know, it's like you're, you're going to be controlled. Your life is going to end. You're going to fail. You know, so it's every person, my mother, my auntie, my friends, my fellow musicians, everybody said, don't go, you're making a mistake. But I had to go because there was an answer here that was deeper than whatever my life was giving me in terms of success at that time. So I knew unequivocally that I had a gift there for healing but I didn't know how to do it myself. And so that kind of guidance was what allowed me to surrender to a, a situation that was totally unorthodox. <laughs> and um, this continuation of the pain that I've lived with through my life taught me how, as a woman's body, in a woman's body, how to access that orgasmic, healing, nourishing 
life force that rises from the planet. You know, you see it in the wind, you see it in the water, you see it rising through the trees, the flowers, how to actually drink that life force consciously through the body and to restore the health of the energetic field of the body. That's something I had to switch on in myself or there's absolutely no way I could have been a world touring artist and navigated the amount of pain that I've had to navigate over the years of my life because I was able to go into or am able to go into deep states of um, meditation where there's this immense flow of love. And love, as you know, is the great healer, you know, it's the vibration of healing itself. So what my body has given me as a challenge as I've used as a key. All my pain, I've used it as a key. And that's given me an incredible ability to be able to help many, many other people, both with emotional pain, physical pain, um, psychological pain, because I've crossed through so much of it. And out of it has birthed a whole body of music because whenever I've crossed through a condition in myself, like transformed it in myself, met it, uh, loved it through, understood how it works, how it manipulates me from inside, I naturally want to compose an antidote to that. <laughs> you know? So I've made enormous amounts of songs and mantras um, that speak about all kinds of things to do with the natural flow of life. I have one CD on my site, which is women's mantras, but they're not mantras taken from my time in India where, you know, I learned from my Indian singing teacher. No, it was like, I'm an English speaking woman. I work with mostly English speaking people. Now I work a lot in Russia, but I'm translated. And the words of my mantras should speak to that state, you know, to, to somebody who understands English. So I have a whole woman's uh, CD where I'm speaking to the breasts. I'm speaking another mantra to the womb. I'm speaking another mantra to the yoni or the vagina to clean out the shame and the pain that's in woman's body. Um, so as I said, anything that I've had to transform in myself whether it's been through rape, whether it's been through having um, cysts in my ovaries, whether it's whatever it is, you know, I've transformed it into music. Do you know about binaural beats? And have you ever considered singing along binaural beats? Uh, beats, bin binaural beats. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes, I am familiar with them. Um, I haven't considered it, no. And but what I have done because I feel this is this is how I honestly feel. I feel that the the voice transmits something more than anything electronic can, especially when that voice is embodied with consciousness. You know that it's very clear and direct from the source. So I'm finding I'm having the kind of results with people that uh, the voice itself with these overtones is doing perhaps what you would think of as, you know, working with um, um, binaural beats. Mm. For example, I have um, a track, it's like a 17-minute track, 
that seems to activate the womb center. A lot of women have problems with their womb, with their menstruation, with not being able to get pregnant, not being able to feel their womb, um, abortions, etc. Women who go through that kind of listening and the course that goes with that will often find their menstrual pain goes away. All kinds of things are happening in women's wombs um, as a result of tuning in, putting the soundtrack in their heads and uh, doing a little practice with that. So, um, but it's an interesting question. Hmm. I hadn't considered it. What do you think the most important part of your music is trying to express? I think infinitely. And I wouldn't say this is necessarily to do with ideas or thoughts. It's vibrational. It's to restore the vibrational connection in the body of the listener to love, to their source of love. So most people who come to my concerts, for example, or are online workshops with me or in the room workshops, the consistency of that is I started to cry and my whole body started to shake and my cells, I could start to feel my cells and this overwhelming love start to happen in my body or connection to, some would call it, you know, people relate to it differently, some would call it connection to Mother Earth. That to me is, is the fundamental, what I experienced directly as the earth vibrating through my body on that day on the side of the mountain, you know, when I was ready to jump, I would say that is the vibration that, um, consistently transmits through the music. That's what many, many people have the experience of. But I recognize that we vibrate at different levels as human beings. So some people will relate to a pop soul vibration, you know, and some people will relate to a shamanic vibration. And some people will relate to a very mystical kind of Indian sort of vibration. And some people will re relate to primordial sound. And for me, when I think of um, a composition, there's no yet direction until the composition starts to take form. And it's the composition itself that defines what style or what frequency it will come in. You see what I mean? It's like it could be this, it could be that. And so because we operate at different frequencies in terms of how much energy we've integrated in life, how much we've realized about love, what, you know, we operate it and different things resonate with different people. They're like, oh, I really like that part of your music. I really like that part of your music, you know. Or, so I, I guess that's in a way why there's so many flavors in the music, because as you said, you've only listened to a small body of it so far. Um, that's really important. So, for example, when people go through the journey of a concert with me, they'll go through so many different flavors. And a fundamental aspect of my live work and uh, my workshop work is switching people's own voice on. Because we each have this vibrational capacity to heal ourselves. So there's what my voice does for your body, but then there's what your own voice does for your body. And so a lot of my work has been to find those primordial sounds, the vibration, the sound of the heart, 
the vibration of the womb, for example, the vibrations that activate the pineal gland. I, I have all of that woven into the work so that people start to experience letting go of control of their mind because everybody's scared to really let go and sound in such a way that doesn't make sense to their mental mind, you know. And, um, and I find that when people are totally given the direction and the permission to be able to sound what's in their heart, for example, um, that the heart energy switches on, gets more bright. They're allowed to let go of the grief, you know, that's in there. A lot of the emotional trauma we carry in the body is because it's not allowed to be expressed. Somebody dies, you know, and it's like, oh, and how are you feeling, Susie? And she says, yeah, it's, it's really hard for me at the moment, but, you know, I'm getting through because this is how we've been conditioned. Like, I'm getting through, you know, <laughs> I'm getting through. But getting through doesn't get you through. It's, it's only when you totally allow that, that grief, that heart to sound and come out of the body with such a profound vibration that we start to release the depth of pain that's stored for example, in the heart, or it could be in the womb from lost children or whatever it is. And this is this is really powerful work. If you heard, for example, I could be in a workshop and have 500 women in the room and they are releasing whatever they've caught in their womb from childbirth, from rapes, from you name it, you know, <laughs> whatever their experience, the sound is unbelievable. I mean, people would run 100 miles if they heard 250 women singing in a room, how the, how the womb, and it's primordial sound. So it's very, very unique to each woman's body, but very similar in the same way. Because what's happened on the planet, not just to men, uh, women, men as well, but we've not been given the way and the permission to be able to release um, that emotional trauma with the voice. When we release it with the voice, it actually heals very, very quickly. Instead, we lock it down. You know, we become silenced and say, oh, I'm, I'm okay, I'm doing all right. So I designed one of my courses or one of my practices is a grief course. Um, and one of the things I found consistently working with women is that when they go through enormous grief, like a very bad childbirth, an abortion, a rape or something, mostly they've been silenced as they go through it. But if you hold that woman's womb, I mean, really hold it like a midwife front and back and let her sound out that kind of grief, the healing process is very quick. But she was never in the moment. She was not allowed to do that because she was supposed to be okay. You know, oh, it's just a womb. Or she has a womb removed, for example, from surgery. But it's just a womb. You don't need that organ. You can still be fine without it. But the grief a woman feels when her womb is removed is unbelievable. But she's not allowed to feel that. And she doesn't know how to release that pain. It's just an example. Or when somebody loses a, lo a loved one. But yet, if you look in some of the old cultures, um, in, you know, in the Middle East, there's the wailing wall. And women stand on that wall all day and, ah, 
they wail, you know, for for this loss, you know. And um, in the West, we've never been taught how to do that. And so that's been a really big part of my uh, work with women is is to allow them and show them the kinds of body sounds that the body wants to make in order to heal. So do you have them sing along with you so that they can produce those own vibrations in their own body? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's imperative. I can't do that kind of work for them. I can hold this vibrational space, you know, with my voice that shows them the way, that gives them the key, that gives them the, it's like my voice will shake their, their body. When it comes to the womb, I often use a drum because it's a heart, heartbeat, you know, um, part of the body, the heart and the womb is very much relates to the heartbeat. So I often use a drum with that particular soundtrack, but I created a whole set of soundtracks around this using uh, the voice and then the women use their own voice in order to go through that healing some of the practices they're held by another woman sometimes it's just totally alone some of it's not so loud it's more like when you work with the heart the energy is very different to the womb the heart energy is very tender very like mm, sometimes crying sometimes very sweet but it's a very different frequency uh to the womb energy for example, when the heart releases its its locks and traumas and tears, you know. Um, and that's the kind of thing that uh, I do even now. I've managed to bring that out of the workshop room. Imagine it began first in a way in the ceremony, right, when I was in my early 20s. Then I managed to bring it to the workshop room. I've workshopped with about women from 63 countries around the world, so I've really worked with a lot of women. And then I managed to bring that to the stage. So now I can give people a practice to do. It can be 1,000 people. It can be 6,000 people where I'm singing this soundtrack and they are opening up the heart energy themselves with this particular practice. And uh, the heart is, is releasing and opening and the, the magnetic field is getting tangible so they literally start to feel the the vibration of their own heart and i mean just a little key for your audience the first way to feel your heart's uh, vibration is to put your hand um, over the heart center and the first thing you feel is heat with a hand on the heart skin on skin and if you tune in you'll see there's the pulse 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 and just behind that pulse in the palms is a tingling sensation. And this is the magnetic field. So it's very important that we touch the heart in this way daily so that we just put the hand on the heart and feel into the heart and listen and breathe into it. And it starts to get more and more sensitive because what I've consistently found in human beings is when we push down the pain, when we deny the pain, when we're just trying to cope with the pain, it literally shuts down our sensitivity to be able to feel because we're not allowed to, you know, we've got to get on with life. But when you actually bring the body into a deep listening state and it begins with the heat of life, the pulse of life and the smaller sensation, the heart just loves it. It loves to be met.
It loves to be felt. And then comes the sound. It's a ha vibration for the heart. So this is the little key for people to practice daily to start to really tune uh, into the heart energy. And then you start to go to hear it and feel and listen, listen to what it needs. Why do you think your music is considered the most feminine music on the planet? I think it's because it wakes up that feminine energy that has been pushed down and put to sleep and been put into this category. It's dangerous. It's dark. Um, you know, we've had enormous, um, you know how right now, for example, the PR machine that's alive on the planet is a horrible beast, right? It can turn any situation to its favor. Just put the message through the cell phone and people can be mind controlled by a particular thought form. If you pump it into the psyche enough, right, someone will take that thought form on and more and more and more and more people will start promoting the thought form itself and become that, right? That's how control works. So we've had a long time on the planet where this thought form that she is dangerous, you know, and it's certainly, it's been a long time. It looks like more recently in history as, as the witch hunt, but it's much older than that in truth. And um, it's that this feminine energy is dangerous and evil and lesser than he, you know, than what, the masculine energy, the energy of God is. But the truth is, without the balance between the two, there, there is no life. That is just simply that. So my embodiment as a woman here, transmitting this frequency um, from earth, that direct feminine field, has been partly about raising up that recognition of the healing power of of that polarity, of that love, of that life. And, you know, I'm seeing, for example, in America right now, this incredibly gross distortion about gender. And it's partly because people are identifying man um, as one form and woman as another, but not understanding that inside of every man, there's feminine energy. Inside of every woman, there is masculine energy. And depending on how much you have of each defines what quality you live out in your life. So you can be a man and have a lot of feminine energy, right? You're very sensitive. You love beauty. You know, you're very caring. You're often healing. You often have these kind of creative qualities, you know. But then we want to overlay the fact that Feminine energy should mean that it's a woman's body. So let's change the sex. Or it could be a woman that has a lot of masculine energy, you know. Oh, I never felt like a woman. So I want to have a sex change. This is distortion because we don't understand that the world is built 
from masculine and feminine energy. And if we started to actually understand the balance between these polarities inside ourselves, we wouldn't be trying to change the physical structure of our body. We'd respect what it is. We'd say, oh, I want to learn more about feminine energy. I want to be able to express more. Or if you, you know, you want to be more manly. I want to learn more about masculine energy and express as that. And I, I think it's it's turned into a huge distortion um, because of a lack of understanding of how the polarities work on the planet. If someone wants to learn more about you and your music, is it best to go to your YouTube channel or to your website? It's best to go to my website. So paroqua.com uh, is there. And it's very clear. I have a music section where there's like 10 CDs there. I have... Um, all my YouTube, a lot of my YouTube videos are inside the website, so you don't have to go and fish through YouTube so much for them. And then I also have my course platform there. So there's about 15 courses there. Now, I've spoken a lot about uh, courses for women, but I also just want to acknowledge that there's a really important course for men and for women. And uh, this course was created in a, in response to uh, when COVID, you know, came into the world and people were in a deep state of stress and anxiety. And unfortunately, you know, I see the, the planetary movement is that there's more and more and more stress, you know, coming onto the planet, more and more push. It's like pressure on the psyche. So we see more and more anxiety, depression, etc. So I made a course and one of these supersonic vocal soundtracks to lift people very quickly out of that state because when we're in stress, we're vibrating, we're vibrating very, very fast and we can't feel the natural vibration of our body, which is the healthy, loving, flowing field. So I created um, a free course actually, and this one is for men and women. It's called From Stress and Anxiety to Inner Harmony in 15 Minutes. So they can go, they can go download that and just listen in headphones and do the practice. And then the soundtrack comes in and just rebalances, reharmonizes the whole field of the body. And we have hundreds of thousands of people downloading that, especially when COVID uh, started. So that's one of the courses. But as I said, there's many courses to help people with grief, abortions, with opening up the sexual body, opening up the orgasmic, this life flow that I spoke about, dealing with emotional blockages like guilt or um, anger, you know, how to, how to consciously take anger through as a constructive energy, using your voice, using dance, you know. There's many, many courses to help people wake up their calling, um, to help people just to grow this connection to love in their body through meditation practice there's a lot on the site for people to drink from are you working on any new music currently actually you know i just finished a song called my soul is guiding me <clears throat> and i was just working with one of my favorite american uh composers dave egger 
um, who's amazing maestro of strings. And uh, he's pretty much played with anybody who's anybody in America. So I'm just finishing up a track uh, together with him. We've been working online together because I'm in Moscow and he's uh, on the other side of America. So currently I, I'm just finishing that. Uh, that's a track that I'm just coming to the end of right now. I'm always working on songs. It never stops for me. I feel like there's no end to the themes uh, of of being here, you know, in the challenge of being a human being on the planet. So I'm always inspired to be making new songs and uh, new practices. It's a never-ending pool for me. I have endless creativity and I'm very, very lucky to have an incredible husband, Russian husband, who totally supports me every step of the way. So, um, you know, that was a really big blessing for me to call for my love. It took some years for him to come, but when he did come, it was, you know, like the meeting of the two opposites and we just complete each other. And it's allowed me to work enormously um, throughout all of Europe, Russia, and now I would love to come more into America and meet the American audience again because I literally haven't worked in America since uh, the 2000, I suppose, when I left after 11 years, when I left my first husband, I kind of left America with that, you know. But I recognize there's such a wealth of music and practice to support people in America, and they really need it too. If somebody wanted to get just one of your songs, are they mm-hmm. available on iTunes? No, um, my music is not available on iTunes. Uh, it's all available through the website itself, so they can buy directly from the website. A few years back, I made a decision. I pulled all of my music out of iTunes, Spotify, everything. I was so pissed with these platforms that I decided just to be a self-created uh, arts artist. Now I'm just cycling back again, so I will be putting up some playlists on Spotify (laughs) back into iTunes as I cross back into America. (laughs) Soon that will be available, but definitely they can buy directly from the website. Support the artist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? I think it's so, so important at this time that you really, really take care of consciously entering into your body first thing in the morning before you switch on your phone, before that you let the outer world come in and influence you to switch into your body and to do practice five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, to breathe the body deeply, to bring love to the body, Because if you can start to feel your vibration and this flow of love inside of yourself, you'll be a lot less influenced by the pressure and the negative impact that's growing growing in the world. You're at the center then. And when you have this practice to be able to enter the body, you can keep returning to it through the day. As soon as you lose yourself into the stress, into the fear, into the worry, that you have a way. I've shown you a way to anchor in your body with just placing the hand on the heart, feeling the heat, feeling the pulse. Start there. That's a really important because your heart needs a lot of love. 
and it wants to be touched by you. <laughs> so make that a simple practice. Paroqua, thank you again for joining me today, and I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing. <laughs> thank you so much, Jeff, and, I, and also for you. You're doing such wonderful work. I really honor it and send a lot of love to all of your audience listening. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.